You're listening to the Periodic Table of Awesome podcast, bringing you the best of geek from week to week. Join your hosts, Dion and Quinny, and the occasional special guest as they talk movies, TV, gaming, toys, comics, and everything in between. Being a stuntman is the best job in the world. You're constantly being tested, just risking it all. I used to fly. Nothing's like it, man. David went in for something, for the sheer fun of it. He had no concepts of fear. I knew I was going to be a stuntman. Then I got the best job in the world. Lead stunt double for Daniel on the Potter films. Dave just seemed like a cool older brother. He would do the most dangerous physical stuff. We would do things none thought was possible. What was nice about it was that they all grew up together, 10 years on every film. It was brilliant, until it wasn't. I remember straight after breaking my neck, I said, there's no chance of coming back. Worst day in the film business that I've ever read. It is unfair. He shouldn't have had to do any of that. In my mind, Dave's indestructible. This terrible thing happened to Dave, but I don't want to talk as if his life is a tragedy. The way his life has affected the lives of people around him means that it is the furthest thing from that imaginable. Three, two, one. Salvages! Before my accident, everything was about being cool and being a stuntman. Now it's about being present. I have so much love in my life. You got your mum. You know, I had lots of great friends, and I'm so lucky. I've had such a crazy life. Such highs and such lows. But I was able to find light in the darkest of places. Hello, and welcome to the Periodic Table of Awesome. Um, I, I'm Quinny, uh, and this... Who, who are the rest of you? Go on, somebody say something. Hi, I'm Jill. Hi, I'm Peter. Yay. Lovely. You know, sometimes we do that and sometimes we don't, and it I always know. takes me by surprise when <laughs> yes. we do. Like you look, I, like you look I feel terrified like I'm every like time. on play school or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. hi, I'm Peter. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just realised I was like, no, I don't know what I'm saying. I just want to say hello and welcome everybody and hopefully not have a coughing fit. Are you okay, Pete? You know, it's funny. I've been talking to you guys for like 15 minutes pre-stream and didn't cough once and like literally the second we start, it's... Yep. Here we go. Yep, absolutely. It's it's like magic, isn't it? Turns Much out like... heat and humidity are worse um, for asthma than cold weather is. Really? I am now finding out with this extended stretch of horrendous heat and humidity. Yeah. Yes. I thought dry air would be worse than wet air. but No, heavy, mm. wet air full of spores and pollution and stuff, apparently. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, I too, there's um... your local uh, health bulletin for the... <laughs> evening. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, and it is uh, the middle of summer and therefore sweaty as balls and um, cloying and overheaty and occasionally rainy just to make sure that you know that it's sweaty. So, mm. yay, isn't that fun? But that's not what we're talking about tonight. We're going completely off of, <laughs> off the weather and we're talking about an interesting little documentary uh, called, well, I, I went looking for it under the name The Boy Who Lived. Um, and realise that that's not what it's called. 
In fact, it's very difficult to find if you call it the boy who lived. So yeah. it's it's called David Holmes colon the boy who lived. Now, uh, okay, cards on the table, magical cards as they may be. Mm-hmm. Who's who's a Potter person? <laughs> I mean, define a Potter person. Um, <laughs> well, uh, I I would say somebody who. Yeah, okay. How would you define it? I'm a Potter person, but I'm not a J.K. Rowling person. Mm -mm. Ah, okay. Uh, What about, would you consider, like, what do they call them, Potterheads or the, like, hardcore fans? Yeah, I've read all the books. I've done all the voices as I've read the books. (laughs) Because I I read the books twice, (laughs) once to myself and once to my sister. Because she's so lazy. Four and a half years younger than me. You'd think, like, a teenager could read a book. But... I badly want to hear your Hagrid now. Oh, God, oh, yes. No. Yes, yes. I want to hear your Hagrid. All right, Ari. <laughs> well done. I like it. That's gorgeous. And, uh, you know, yeah. it's, it's not even really a shit accent. Thanks. Oh. I've seen all the movies a few times. Yeah. I'm a, Huff- I'm a Hufflepuff. Are you? Yes. I, I am puff and proud. Um, I think I might be a a Huffledore though because like I've got Uh, Gryffindor-ish things but primarily Hufflepuff Do you have to have done the Pottermore test to declare your house or can you just do it based on a strong understanding of your own personality? I mean you could do that but I automatically wanted to just cast myself in Gryffindor so I did take the Pottermore test and it told me I was a Hufflepuff and then I was like yeah, all right, fine. That's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm definitely a Ravenclaw, though. Um, 100%. Like, <laughs> I'm not you casting not, myself in Gryffindor. I'm you do not, not need to take the test. No, no. I'm, I'm, I'm not brave, um, but I am pernickety. So uh, there's that. Uh, I like I to think of myself books. as brave, but I know I'm not. I know that I'm I'm somebody who would much rather care about the people around me than go into battle for them or whatever. I'll fight if I have to, but I'd much <laughs> rather um, everybody just talk it out and have a nice, you know, butter beer. Yes, fierce loyalty like to friends is a very strong Hufflepuff trait. Like I say, puff and proud. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I got my little badger. I'm all about it. Which, uh, <laughs> and the question is, what house would Dion be? One hundred percent Oh, Dion seems offended. <laughs> yeah. I mean, saying that he's for sure Slytherin. Um, yeah. I would probably go for a Gryffindor, actually, because he's got that kind of like wild complacency and <laughs> like a, um, what do you call it? Like a chaotic neutral. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I, yeah. I don't identify as a Potterhead, um, but I did read all of the books as they were released in high school because age. Um, <laughs> and the great thing about me in high school is my dad was the school librarian, um, which meant oh, that wow. we got to read the books that had been pre-ordered before they hit the school library shelves. Oh. Um, but it was always a real kind of fight within the family because there were only so many copies and we had to read them really quickly because they belonged in the library. Uh, so you'd be kind of like halfway through reading it and you'd like put it down and then you'd like turn around and it would be gone and like yeah. mum would be reading it. <laughs> it was a real like fight as to like whose turn is it to read the latest Harry Potter. Yeah, right. This is why you do it as a group activity and someone does the voices. 
I mean, my mum was a phenomenal (laughs) reader of books and doer of voices, but um, (laughs) um, we had stopped doing that by that by that age. We were all um, we were all a little bit older. Um, She would have done an amazing Hagrid. The one thing that makes me sad about not having kids is that I don't get the opportunity to uh, enjoy the 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 reading uh, character voices to people. Um, oh. It happens in my head, and I mean, admittedly, there is a part of me that's like, maybe I could just do it professionally, um, you know, and get paid for it. But I, I love the idea of doing, uh, doing the the voices. My niece and nephew, they're into it, but they're they're too old now, oh. and, and you know, uh, yeah. So you know, become a drag queen, Quinny, and then you can yeah. go to the library and do the the drag queens reading for kids thing. <laughs> Fuck yeah, let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we've talked a bit about Harry Potter, and I also have a very weird thing with it these days because now there is the thing of you can like Harry Potter and have a history with Harry Potter. Oh yeah. But there is a question as to how you engage with it now. And yes, I think fan media is fine, but I think mm-hmm. purchasing new items uh, that belong to Warner Brothers and the J.K. Rowling estate is putting money in her pocket and I don't want to support her. So I'm uh, I'm all for people still loving Harry Potter, still reading the books, maybe buy them secondhand or, you know, borrow them from the library. Um, but, yeah, I feel think it's really dirty to still be purchasing Harry Potter products brand new. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Okay, so that, the good thing about this, the, the doco that we're talking about actually is entirely without any reference at all to J.K. Rowling. Exactly. Um, and I guess in many ways the potterness of it is, is sort of a background, but it's not necessarily what the story is about. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, it make, makes for an interesting, um, interesting little film. Um, would you like a synopsis of it? Please. Right. Well, we normally would have music doing this, but at the moment, because the stream is what the stream is, let's just, you know, not. I give you a little bit of... David Holmes, the boy who lived, is a 20... Sorry, do you want it done as Hagrid? Oh, yeah, okay. Give us some Robbie Coltrane. Right. David Holmes, the boy who lived is a 2023 documentary film about David Holmes, a stunt double who was paralysed after an on-set accident during the filming of one of the... No, sorry. Doing it in a voice feels really inappropriate. Oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> We're maybe. talking about a guy <laughs> who's been paralysed. Sorry, mm. shit accents? No, we're going to go that way. We'll put that one out. Uh, no. <clears throat> so, yes, it's a film about a stunt double who was paralysed after an on-set accident during the filming of one of the Harry Potter films specifically the last one um it was executive produced by harry potter star daniel radcliffe um so david broke his neck in 2009 has had complications and years of physical therapy and that's what this doco is all about mm-hmm. what did we think um honestly i was surprised that i'd never heard of this story before i didn't know that a stunt actor working on the films had had such a gross injury uh, and that was now living life as a paraplegic. 
So I really, really? feel like, um, you know, in the beginning of the documentary where David's like, I just want to tell my story. I'm like, yeah, buddy, tell it. Like, I want to hear all about like your life and mm. what happened to you. Like, yeah. It, Which sad story, but absolutely <laughs> fascinating. Like how his career um, came to be. Yeah. I feel like I got a lot more out of this uh, documentary than I expected to, um, given the insights it gives into, um, into you know, the, the process of, of stunt work. Um, mm. And I was, um, I guess, a little bit surprised as to how much I learned about that. But um, with now a little bit more context, it, it completely makes sense um that um you know particularly the first uh section of the film was um so detailed and kind of fantastically informative and in kind of exciting in that respect mm. um and what like a wonderful gift to be able to make a documentary with that much of that kind of archive um mm. available to mm. to tell the story um because that kind of like behind the scenes window into a very specific part of filmmaking that if we're going to be honest unless it's like like a big budget big publicity Tom Cruise thing most of us don't really think about um was really to me just as interesting as the highly personal elements of the story um mm. so I I think I kind of you know I think I got like I said, more out of it than I thought it was going to as, as you know, a, a doco, doco as a whole. Um, but I also found it to be, like, quite deeply emotional and mm. distressing mm. In, <laughs> in areas and, you know, not distressing but highly emotional in, in other areas. It's really, um, um, you know, interesting interesting story to have had the opportunity to kind of you know view in this in this way hmm. it, it's certainly i mean it it doesn't have any particular bells and whistles it's not going out to try and make a a, a big shiny splash in terms of documentary it's it's very by the numbers this is this is good solid interviews with people it's a lot of archival footage um and a lot of, uh, you know, day in the life sort of footage now, some of which is, you know, occasionally feels like, oh, okay, right, we're, we're, we're doing a, a, a thing so that we've got a, a, a good story beat to do here. But then there's a lot of it that feels very uh, real and, and quite, uh, I don't know, not distressing, but at the same time, there are moments where I was like, oh, shit that the life of of um somebody in that form of of um uh, paralysis it seems incredibly difficult yeah it's very candid and upfront and i don't think it really you know tries to to disguise uh you know the level of comfort that you know someone with a spinal injury uh has to go through in a daily life um, it, it's very realistic. And I think besides being uh, a story told about a particular person that this happened to, it's also kind of like uh, opening up a, a dialogue about 
people with spinal injuries and the different forms mm. that it can take as well. Absolutely. And it, I mean, it structurally sort of found, I found it quite interesting as well because I was, I was watching it and we I kind of got to about the middle and I thought, oh, I feel like we've told the story now. I know. I was quite astonished. I also got to where I was like, okay, I think it's wrapping up. And I'm like, we're halfway through. Yeah, yeah. And I, I really did sort of think, where do you, where do you go from here? Yeah. Um, and I could, there's a, there was a part of me that was like, okay, are we, are we are we going to get more trauma? <laughs> <laughs> um, is is uh, you know, is it up from here or down from here? And and that was slightly concerning. I will say I thought they did a very good job of leading up to the actual accident itself. Um, yeah, there's a lot of history. A lot of history, and also the like the clearly they're they're about to you know they show footage of the the stunt being rehearsed or perhaps the actual stunt that happened and the fact that like they they're very careful about not showing anything yes you they know. do not show the accident they, and, they cut away before any of that but it's just as impactful mm -hmm. because you know it happened and you know the outcome of it so i i found myself kind of almost on the edge of my seat a little bit going oh god oh uh, I don't want to see this. Yeah, yeah. But I may have walked away from the television in that moment. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, because I, I didn't you. think that they were going to show it, but mm. I didn't want. I mean, to they got see right up to the were. point, and it was. I was a little bit concerned. I'm like, uh, mm. <laughs> I don't yeah. know that I want to see that. I was. I don't. I don't know if that's cheating, but um, mm. I've kind of fairly visceral reaction because it's a very. It's a very visceral thing, but um, it was, yeah, it, it, interesting to me, I think, again, the way they use, you know, as Quinny said, like just very standard documentary techniques to build into that moment um, without being, I think, exploitative um, mm. about it, um, but very, like, without being exploitative, like just even if you just run at it like in the kind of plainest, most matter-of-fact way you can, um, you know, it's the entire turning point of David's life and it's like a deeply emotional event for everybody who is who is interviewed. Um, and it's it's almost kind of like I'm, I'm kind of glad there are no bells and whistles in this kind of storytelling um, because it didn't, that putting bells and whistles on that would almost be, um, uh, disrespectful, you know, to mm. to you yeah. know, what it is, and it could only possibly detract. Um, yeah, you know, from no, the story itself. At no point did I feel in watching this documentary and already knowing, you know, what the story is about. Did it feel that there was a tragedy in this at all? No. There was no build up and like sympathy and empathy and that kind of stuff into like this awful horrible thing that happened at no point did they dwell in any angst or tragedy around that it was all quite an uplifting story everything was told from a, a perspective of joy and love in the career that these people follow and the amazing things that uh you know the doors that open for them and that kind of thing and and the ability to be physical because that's what they love to do and that's the job that 
they chose to do and no like point or talk of like oh it's the risk and we knew what to accept and all this kind of stuff Mm. it was just an accident and they really just treated it as such and nobody was demonized and uh yeah nobody was dwelled upon in having their life ruined or anything like that except for like David very matter-of-factly telling his story of the accident that happened. Mm. There were a couple of things that that sort of got discussed a little later on um, that I actually thought were really nicely handled, but at the same time Mm. I I I thought, far out, that would have been hard. Um, So his uh, sort of, they were part of a group of three, I guess you'd say, that there was Daniel, Mm. David, and their other friend Mark, um, who's also a stunty, but um, you know, sort of come to it a little bit later. And the point where he's talking about having to go back onto set and keep doing the job, I actually got quite choked up by. I was like, oh yeah, shit. Yeah. Wow. And and it never even occurred to me that that um in a in a thing like this, the people have to go back to work and yeah. somebody else has to do that stunt again. And mm-hmm. um and Odds are that person is going to be somebody that knows the person that was hurt, you know, and and that, the, like, as you say, they, it didn't it didn't wallow in in um, misery or anything like yeah. that, but there were certainly moments where you thought, wow, this is this is really impacted these people. Mm-hmm. Um, Felt like there was this kind of a frank honesty about the way yeah. everything was approached in the in the interviews. Um, that I in in some places I thought was quite astounding. Um, mm. You know, particularly towards the end, um, in in some of the kind of more I don't know if we're going to do a spoiler section or not do a spoiler sh- section here, but um, um, you know, given the emotional weight um, mm. of what you know David and the the people you know who were all affected by this accident have carried for so long to get the kind of honesty that came out in some of these interviews is actually, um, you know, fairly astounding. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it feels like, you know, a lot of that is is kind of led by David's own um, um, attitude, you know, and and that probably the others are kind of in, in a way kind of being, being led by that um but it's still it's 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 a it's a it's a it's a tricky thing to sit down and have to interview somebody about the worst day of their life regardless of whether it was the worst day of their life because it's the day their life changed or it's because that's the day Mm -hmm. they witnessed somebody who they care about's life changed um yeah and it's i think it's interesting that the a lot of people will be watching this a lot of Harry Potter fans and so forth will be watching this with a very close eye on Radcliffe. Um, you know, he... yeah, I thought his his involvement was um, fairly well balanced. I think, mm. I, I think... you know, because it's not did, Daniel's yeah, story exactly. He didn't detract from it at all. He was very much just you know his character think... in this documentary because he's very close friends with David. Mm. And I think it's it's a version of him that we haven't seen as much of, yeah. Um, because I, I feel like we've seen Daniel Radcliffe as he grows up, 
and you know doing press and all that kind of stuff we've seen 10 years or 12 years of harry potter daniel radcliffe now mm. we've seen a bunch of daniel radcliffe after potter where he's just gone fuck it i'm gonna do whatever i want my yeah. favorite radcliffe yeah <laughs> <laughs> the 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 uh was it um uh, uh chaps wearing dancing upside down just daniel radcliffe being weird because he can yeah you just yeah. freaking love it he makes the most interesting choices he does but also then in this one this is not him making choices no this is this is him just being really quite um completely honest about his experiences and there are a few times i was like oh wow he's like he's not actually trying to make paint himself in a good light or anything either um you know he recognizes that there are times where he's like i wasn't I wasn't capable of understanding how much this had impacted on people. And I was still being on the tail end of, of the Harry Potter thing. So I had to keep going to work and I was, mm. you know, this age or whatever it is. Um, so, and, and it was just super, super honest. There are a few times where I thought, Oh, that guy I like. Like I think that that guy I can see having mates and hanging out and and you know who he is and and it wasn't it didn't feel protected at all but I'm I'm guessing that's because he's with his friends you know yeah. even the bit where he says at one point that he was scared to visit because he didn't know whether there was going to be enough to talk about. I thought, yeah, I oh, mean, wow. if you relate to somebody on such a level where it's you both have a job, you know, you're both going to the same job and you work together, you're kind of like work colleagues, and I can understand how like, oh, well, now that this person's not in that situation anymore and I still want to have a connection with them, are we going to have that same connection that we did before this accident? I can understand that. Yeah, it's weird. Mm. Yeah. And and knowing, okay, I'm going to be hanging out with this person. And... and there might also be like a level of guilt as well mm. because this person was doing the job for him that he couldn't do, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a very interesting dynamic, mm. um, you know, where it, especially because Radcliffe, you know, wanted to be a stunt guy. He, you know, yeah. as a little kid, he's like, yeah, this is awesome. And then... As he grew older, <laughs> this is not a thing I can do. I can't <laughs> do that. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I thought initially I thought, oh, is this going to be a bunch of interviews with David and then a bunch of stuff with Daniel Radcliffe to try and kind of, like, I'm I'm a cynic occasionally. And I thought, <laughs> is it going to be a whole bunch of stuff with Daniel Radcliffe to try, to try and hang this on so that people watch the story? Mm. He wasn't he wasn't the key thing no. here. No. Um, David is... Uh, eminently watchable eminently um likable guy mm. who's just going through some fucking awful looking stuff yeah but still manages to have such an amazing outlook on life you know such a positive attitude i really I think that that is probably what's got him through a lot of this hard stuff is that he's just such a chipper dude yeah and what amazed me is and and this is a Look, I don't think we'll have a spoiler section because there's nothing to spoil here. No. Um, but there was a point 
um around that that sort of midway point where we both sort of had the feeling of like oh well, maybe yeah. this is the end of the story where it was like he was actually in a pretty good place um mm. you know post the accident i mean comparatively yes. a pretty good place you know had full um ability to move his arms and and was getting quite mobile could drive could do all these things and I yeah you really sort of felt like oh okay well this is this is a a story about somebody who is is sort of you know worst back. case scenario he's probably got the best outlook right now yeah mm. and then the rest of the film happens yeah he had a a rare condition that only happens in about one percent of people with spinal cord injuries in that a cyst developed on his spinal cord and so the the fluids that it um amassed were cutting off uh, nerves to his arms and and other functions so he had to have surgery again and again and again and again mm. and that 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 little sequence where he's in hospital and, and it's sort of going through and there are some nice sort of filmic moments where they they choose how they're going to sh- tell that story and oh, through one... like Instagram posts. Exactly. Stuff, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Instagram posts and, and TikTok videos and stuff like that was a nice framing thing to to show you, oh no, this is actually really not good. And this is getting mm. worse and getting worse and getting worse. Um so yeah, I, I'm I was impressed with how they told a story, um, but that went down but didn't make it feel like it was taking you down into the darkest depths with it. Mm. Pete, what are you, 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 you're looking intently. I know. I kind of agree. I'm just kind of trying to think in terms of, um, in terms of, you know, critique, I suppose. Mm. Um, in, in, I was just trying to think in terms of like documentary form um if if there was anything in particular that that bugged me about it or or you know that I didn't particularly enjoy um the only thing that got to me a little bit and this is going to just sound like so picky but it's like this weird thing that I I notice is that like I didn't love all of the interview frames um <laughs> like particularly when you you know you're doing like some quite like emotionally intense interviews um you know, having, you know, kind of like like a cold, unattractive background sometimes or, you know, perching your contributor, you know, on a stool in a way that looks like a little bit uncomfortable to to sit um, is something that I, can't, I see like coming back a lot. And I'm like, oh, you know, the just like I love a beautiful interview frame, uh, mm-hmm. particularly when something is like really heavily interview based. And like I didn't like super love that as a stylistic element here. Um, but you know, it doesn't like really from the story, it doesn't detract. That's just me being like, oh, that could have been more beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I know what you mean. The, the, there were a couple of where, and I think, uh, to, and to be honest, I feel like there is a, a lot of this that is actually, um, a, a, a documentary being built over a long period of time and possibly not with the full intent at the start to make it a, a a really polished high-end you know documentary so there are some interviews that are better than others um and there are some framings that you go ah it's somebody who's kind of 
um, sat down on their couch and they've gone, okay, let's do a bit of an interview. And then there are others where you're like, okay, now we'll put you in proper lighting and we'll um, make more of this. And I feel like, but that's also part of the thing of, of telling a story over a number of years because uh, from what we see here, there's at least nine years, I think, of, mm. Um, mm. of, of life that goes through from David where um, just post-accident right through till today, basically. And I will say I was very happy that there wasn't a, a bummer of an ending because yeah. I, I honestly, there's always a thing with documentaries where you think, uh, where's the, where's the, what, what's our end point? Mm-hmm. I know. Um, and, I mean, and yeah, luckily it's a, it's a pretty recent release as well. It just came out last year. So it was, there's no like, you okay. know, that text at the end that says, and then so-and-so passed away on this mm. date. And then you're like, ah, yeah. but no, I mean, David's health still a little bit up in the air, unfortunately. And like, um, you know, he, he is in decline. Um, mm. But yeah, there was no like death notice at the end. Thank God. Yes. Well, no, interesting. The text at the end directs us all to a podcast that we need to go and listen to. Yes, yes. that's true. Would you Jeez. give a little plug? I, I want to make sure I say the name yeah. correctly. Uh-huh. <laughs> His uh, uh, David does a podcast where he does talk to other stunties, and it is called Cunning Stunts. Uh, not to be confused so glad you with took that one. the name of my other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and not to be confused what I'd go with a big heavy hammer on the weekend. I go around oh. hitting people over the back of the head, you know. Um, <laughs> and honestly, after after watching this film, I'd be really interested to to go and listen to that podcast because, yeah. the, you know, that, that um, glimpse into the world of stunts and you know mm. what it actually is and what it involves and the kinds of people who actually um who actually um are you know in there making those kinds of things happen like it's just super super interesting and oh, i think yeah. it, it does help that, that the vision that is being used to tell that part of the story is you know very recognizable vision from from the harry potter films um, mm. But I also think that's interesting because obviously like the Harry Potter films being what they are, they're not like known as stunt films. No. So, you know, they're not, you know, you kind of Mission Impossible. So like I said, it's exactly obviously, yeah. thinking about it in hindsight, obviously there are a bunch of stunts in the Harry Potter films. Yeah. Um, but, you know, because of the way we do filmmaking as a collaborative art and you know, something like that isn't supposed to be visible. So you've got these mm. people doing all of this work that nobody thinks about in the end. Yeah. Like if you went um, to the film and enjoyed the action and got invested in Harry Potter, you know, playing that Quidditch game, then you haven't even thought about half of the people who actually made that experience happen for you. Um, yeah. And And there's really kind of, you know, it's it's a bit of behind the scenes that doesn't necessarily get a lot of real life attention outside mm. of like you know movies about stunt people turn CIA people or <laughs> or Tom Cruise doing something completely ridiculous but really yeah. impressive um, mm. and I just I like I really really enjoyed that element and I was really like happy to see that that one of the things that David is continuing to do is you know bring that work 
to the fore and help people to understand it. Um, and also encouraging kids to look into being stunt um, performance. Like he still goes out to his old gymnastics club and, you know, talks to the kids and, uh, you know, gives them advice and that sort of thing. And I think it's just fascinating the different walks of life you can come from to mm. become a stunt performer. And I did I, like I, that little tidbit in the documentary where he said Jason Statham used to be a professional diver. Yeah. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. I do remember reading that somewhere and thinking, okay. Okay, enough. yeah. I can't imagine him diving off the 10-foot pole. <laughs> I'm ready to make a big splash. No, sorry, a small splash. <laughs> Get my way. Dion in the chat is saying that it was also interesting to see how the stunts evolved over the years as the actors grew, mm. and mm. also because David was keen to, you know, do more with with what he was doing there. Um, which, yeah, that that you know that entire part of the documentary um, and what what David and the stunt team on Harry Potter achieved um, over those however many films it was i've forgotten how many that's ridiculous isn't it, that i should forget how many yeah. Harry Potter films there are um <laughs> was like super 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 interesting and i'm really really glad that i got to see that bit of the story well, um even that... though i know it wasn't the, the main bit of the story the story is really about david um yeah. you know that that um that really got me in hmm. mm. the other thing that i think is interesting about those stunts is and those films is because all of the performers or most of the people doing the stunts were children, um, so there was a lot of, you know, well, child... And, I mean, they're adults as teenagers, well. Teenagers, yeah. yeah. Um, you've, you've got a different kind of need for stunt performers, but also a lot of the time they were things that, you know, stunts that were trying to replicate an effect of magic or something like that. Mm. So things that most people would look at and go, okay, that's special effects, you know, mm riding on a on a nimbus and and having to fly around and then getting flipped over where you're doing a you know a magic wand attack or, or something like that or the never long bottom fall as as uh, Dion is I saying in the chat that was I, fantastic. I love that because everyone absolutely remembers that that moment in the movie yeah and and the like of course it didn't occur to me that like some kid actually fell like that because <laughs> fuck me that looked painful yes and uh, I do like that. Was that's Tolga Keenan, um, yeah. who, who uh, ended up working with Mark Maley, um, and are now working as stunt performers, but also specifically um, looking into safety and stunt performing. And I and yeah. I love that. I love that you know from all of this bad, you know this this really terrible thing, good things come from it. Mm -hmm. You know, and and hopefully that's. I think that's kind of why I assume David wanted to make this story, is to say yeah. something bad has happened, but in the end, good things can still come from it. Yeah. Hmm. Also, great uh, and clip, or yes, yes, I think so, because um, we've got a clip, um, and we can do some ratings, and we'll come back. Uh, so, actually, how does how's about we do? A clip, and then we come back and do our ratings. And our okay, ratings. sure. Mix it up. Ooh, Just for something different. Let's and watch Dion go, oh, God, no. What? <laughs> Dion. How much has Dan's friendship helped you through your toughest times? Oh, mate, I was in hospital at Christmas at Queen's Square, like with a brain drain on my head. 
and him and his partner come and see me, sat with me for two hours. Tom Felton did the same. Me breaking my neck is not the most positive story. I feel like everyone's old enough to, to hear my, you know, my contribution to those wonderful films. So, uh, yeah, shall, shall we do a, some, some kind of numerical rating on this? Oh my God, I don't know how to give this a number rating. I'd just rather say like a yay or nay. I'm like, watch it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, agree. I, I, it'll um, we'll, like, yeah. I, I definitely think watch it. Like it's 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 a really worthwhile story. Um, that you know it's 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 only an hour and a half, good length for a feature, yeah. not painful to watch. Um, I mean, it's not like I can start at a hundred and take points off for stuff that was bad about it. Like I, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, he was in a wheelchair, didn't like that. He had the accident, didn't like that. Well, what? I can't <laughs> I can't rate it like that. I don't know. I mean, there, there were moments that I, I kind of had, like my my, my cynical um, film watchy brain kicked in, and I went, okay, have has this been done for a reason? Um, like there were there were things where I thought, okay, are we seeing this because somebody's gone? Okay, we need an emotional point here or whatever. But honestly, I that's just me being really really cynical. Um, mm. There was a point, and I think there is a, a an emotional kind of point right near the end where we kind of realised that, that Greg Powell, who was the stunt coordinator, who was ostensibly, well, in charge on the day of the accident, mm-hmm. um, and whether you say is responsible for or, or takes responsibility for... Um, the moment where he goes and sees David um, and you realise that there has been a bit of a schism and that they aren't necessarily comfortable, that I, I sort of thought this could be played for emotion. Um, I got but, very emotional in that bit. And that's that's the thing. I thought yeah. I did have that moment of like, am I being manipulated to feel an emotion here or is this real emotion and after a minute I just went I don't care I'm actually really invested in these people and I think because Greg throughout the whole thing comes off so stoic you know and like you know very gruff manly man yeah we do stunts yeah and to see that that exterior crack yeah I was like oh yep right there's the emotions yeah, and that that I didn't feel like that was being played for anything. I I feel like that was a, a very honest moment that had been you know caught on on film and and um, hopefully respectfully used with permission from from all involved because it was very honest and very raw. And I you know um, thought that was a, a um, very um, genuine moment there were there were definitely times um you know in the kind of third act where there were moments that I did feel were kind of contrived to kind of try to build in the end of that plot but you know it it kind of comes down to the question as a documentarian of okay so like this is this story actually hasn't finished like David's story hasn't finished there is kind of no like convenient ending that you can kind of plug into this story as a documentary maker and and um you know have it like all wrapped up 
in a, a neat narrative bow at the end. So I think these kind of moments at the end where he's, you know, do feel a little bit contrived where, um, you know, he's, uh, they bring the, the um, you know, Daniel and David into the same room and, and chat and then they bring all of the, you know, the, the Togga and Mark and Daniel and David and, and they're kind of having a chat about things. They are moments that do feel uh, kind of contrived, like we're kind of reaching to to figure out what the closing message is and what the end of the story is. Um, Having said all of that, you know, how do you finish a documentary about a person's story who who is very much, you know, still unfolding? Um, Mm. And I think it it was nice to be able to bring all of those characters we had been hearing from back together and complete all of their arcs in a mm. way um even if it some of those moments to me actually did feel a little bit contrived which i found a little bit kind of distracting um but that moment with greg i i didn't feel it was contrived i kind of that felt very kind of mm. raw to me and um, i think it, as you say pete it's, it's one of those things about trying to construct a a documentary that has a shape Mm. um and And what do you want that shape shape. to be and and what are Mm. we trying to say by making this documentary and if that's you know how we brought those messages crisis um, or does it have a a a finale as it were or anything like that yeah um yeah and i i thought there there was a sequence that i actually really enjoyed um where they went to the prop store yeah Yeah, that was actually really that was that was very very sweet i liked that a lot yeah, yeah. And uh, once again, another part of, of filmmaking that you don't think about, but, you know, there's a gigantic storeroom <laughs> with every single costume and every single, from every player mm-hmm. on every film. You think, yeah. holy shit. And the Batmobile. That was so good. I need to find out the address of the Warner Brothers warehouse. <laughs> well, yeah, and which is interesting because I look at that and I'm like, I imagine that's probably the Batmobile from The Flash. Um, oh. Because I'm pretty sure that was shot yeah. in the UK. Okay, um, interesting. Yeah. Um, mm. So, yeah. Anyway. But <laughs> I don't know how to Daniel, rate this. Daniel, I don't, I don't think you can write it. I, I mean, found this story very biographical. Like I, I quite enjoy learning about people's lives and, you know, um, if they have an interesting story to tell, I just want to hear about it and learn about them. So, yeah, I, I would have read this if he had written a book, but, it, yeah, I found it to be a very biographical storytelling style documentary. Um, I, yeah, D- Dion is in the chat rating it as uplifting, so that's Dion's <laughs> rating. Um, I mean, I could rate this, but if we're if we're not going to rate it, I won't. I won't put numbers, and I will no, say I definitely know what your numbers are. I um I thought that maybe I would find this distressing, mm. um, and I didn't. I actually found it. If, if, if we're rating just via single words, mine would be yeah. enlightening. Is this, if this is our new system, then it is like even more strange than our usual system. 
just that our fickle and arbitrary rating system has just <laughs> like gone right off the edge of the cliff now. I don't like it though. Just a single word of rating. Oh my god. Yeah, I mean, if it's a yes or no, doesn't that automatically mean our yeses are one hundreds? Well, mm. 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 Okay, I'm gonna say <laughs> as a documentary sure. based on form, I I wouldn't rate this one hundred. Yeah. Like from from a doc, like just from a like doco perspective, um, mm. I, I I wouldn't rate it one hundred, but I would rate it definitely watch it. Yeah, particularly yeah. you know if you're interested in Harry Potter, if you're interested in in filmmaking, or if you're interested in watching biographical stories of really interesting people who have yeah. who have done cool things and can mm. teach you something about how you approach the world. Mm-hmm. This film is for you. Yeah. yeah. Dan uses the phrase uh, that it, it, that it could have devolved into inspiration and yeah, inspiration porn. Mm. And I think it does a very good job of not being that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, has, I, I, just I, very I like the other half of Dion's sentence. He says it has a lot of emotion in it that was humanizing and encouraging. Yeah. Mm. And yeah, if I, if I had to give it a single word, which is now what we're doing, um, yes. <laughs> it would be, uh, yeah, humane. Um, mm. Like it, it felt very, yeah, human, and and <laughs> be honest, get a murderous. <laughs> this is not like a change that we have discussed. This is no. just something that's unfolding right now. This is it going to happen next fly. week? It might. Mm. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. Like this is the thing. We've been doing the same format for three hundred and something shows now. Three hundred and forty. Maybe shows. we'll rate it in the opening and then tell you what, and then give you the spoilers. And then oh, tell you why later. <laughs> maybe we'll start doing two films and a TV series every single episode. Who the oh, fuck knows? God, maybe I'll shoot myself because I don't <laughs> want to do that much work. <laughs> but but look, I like I I can't I can't think of a lot of people who would you know be asking us whether or not to watch the film uh in terms of the tptoa community who wouldn't get something out of this oh yeah you know Mm. like unless unless you like flat out just hate docos and you know Mm. frankly in my free time not my favorite thing to do um Mm. given it kind of feels like work um Mm. So it's it's you know I, I sometimes I do get mad if you try to make me watch a doco and I wasn't mad at this. <laughs> yes, and also it doesn't hurt at all the fact that it is tied to something that we all have a a, a reaction to the the Potter world yeah. and so forth, and yeah, like well worth a look. I can't read it. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I think it's it's a it's a film and it's uh, worth a look. Um, yes. Yes. Right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Dion said, uh, Potter adjacent. Yes. yes I think definitely. this is exactly what this is. Um, yeah. Keep it a mm-hmm. look. So, uh, next yeah. week. Yes. February. <laughs> Jill, you're confused. February next month. We're Where going to have to first month of the put year go? our schedule out shortly. But <laughs> I'm pretty safe to say that next week we'll, we'll be talking about Argyle. Yes, the movie about socks. Um, yes, they're really leaning hard into the Argyle pattern for their promotions, aren't they? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Uh, we will be uh, going and watching uh, a screening um, tomorrow, mm-hmm. um, which we will be having a good time. Um, Dion's asking, when are we doing Wonka? Um, <laughs> I would do Wonka. Yeah, Wonka. 
But oh, um, I feel like you're being a bit sarcastic there. <laughs> I think this um, month we'll probably also be doing Madam Web because I just oh, really want to shit can something. I think that would be I am so fascinating. I think that would be fun. Um, also, has been Hotel. Have you guys heard ah, about this one? Yes. I have. Um, in fact, I've got the first episode of it sitting on my uh, Amazon Prime in another tab. Oh, um, lovely. Yeah. No, maybe so, we'll give that a look. Or um, so, Pete. To explain, has been hotel. It is uh, so one thing that you will dislike. It's animated, um, <laughs> but it is also a musical. Um, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> we've got to replace Schmigadoon somehow. Yeah, it's oh. uh, about some demons. It's set in hell. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's got a yeah. It's sort of a, a good little introductory history of. Um, Lilith and and Satan and uh, Lucifer and all that kind of stuff. It's very entertaining. Theon is having a tantrum in the chat. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, Power World, that Pokemon ripoff. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the game that's probably been mostly built by AI. Yeah, let's do that. Oh, dear. <laughs> um, actually, Casper's we could... now suggesting we review theme park rides. I mean, oh, uh, okay, we're just going full yeah. chaos now. Well, yeah. because we've thrown everything out the uh, out the window. Um, <laughs> okay, if we're going to review the light rail between Darling Harbour and Circular Quay, I'm <laughs> going to do a deep dive on the monorail that used to exist, and I'm going oh to give my you God. my review of the monorail. I will join right. in that review because mm. I once like rode it just like for half a day I when I was a kid. Loved the monorail. Okay, I did so. Too. Here's a tangent. <laughs> We're off. Theon, yeah. what have you done? In my younger years when I was studying Japanese at UTS and uh, hanging out uh, in the city on weekends doing DDR at the Market City, oh, God. we would thrash ourselves so hard we couldn't walk. <laughs> so we'd get on the monorail at Chinatown and take it up to Town Hall. Amazing. Five bucks. I'm like, yeah, I can't walk from Chinatown to Town Hall after doing DDR for five hours. Like, shit. Oh my god. Yeah. See, I only so ever I got to ride once when I came up to oh. here. Quite young. I still also believe that the monorail should have been left there and extended. Yes. It would have been so much better now. That light walk, rail system. That walk across the Piermont Bridge is a Bitch, but the monorail, yes, nah. straight over. Ah, <laughs> uh, all they had to do is extend the monorail down to circular fucking key, and we would have, and and it wouldn't have inter interrupted the traffic. We wouldn't have had exactly. five years of fucking light rail bullshit. Exactly. I feel like this is a lesson for Dion in careful what you wish for. Yeah. Um, I also yeah. would like to drop a quick review of the new issue of Greener Pastures. Um, oh, okay. Uh, that uh, Tim McEwen, who's a good friend of ours, uh, is, is releasing in about eight days' time. We'll probably be seven by the time this comes out. Um, it's uh, the first one in nearly 20-something years, and it is a jam issue where every page is drawn by a different artist. It mm. is very, very cool and um, is well worth checking out. I know Dion's a big fan of Greener Pastures. Uh, if you don't know about what Greener Pastures is about, it's about a ball called Trevor. Um who essentially just moves into the big city and starts trying to live his life. It's very strange and very funny. <sighs> yes. Um, anything else we want to review while we're just randomly reviewing shit? 
Um, Dion says he's going to review the GYG in King's Cross. I Sweet, would yeah. like to go to um, South Nowra and review the new um, drive-through restaurants that they've just put in. So <laughs> Nowra have have finally realised that they actually have a population that deserves takeaway. And yeah, there's a there's a GYG down there. There's uh, I can't remember what the other restaurant was, but yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Casper <laughs> wants to know what our local pancakes on the rocks are. Mine is the North Rocks one. Ah, uh, yeah. I think yeah. Rocks is a bit. Oh, uh, yeah. Either that no, or the mine's one North in the Rocks, North. not the Rocks. Oh, mine's the Rocks. Yeah, right. Mm. Sorry. Uh, my bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. Peter, anything you want to review? Just randomly. Um... <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe next week I'll go and review the Gold Coast Casino. Uh, <laughs> Jupiter's. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen? Do you know that you can't play poker in Queensland? What? I mean, no, because I actually hate casinos. And <laughs> I know there's a lot of things you can't do in Queensland. I didn't realise that was one of them. Yeah. Uh, Dion requests that you review the actors. Um, ah, review yeah, the actors. One for you, Pete. Uh, yeah, so that'll be like kind of a meta situation. Um, <laughs> But, Depends uh, whether you win any. <laughs> well, yes. If we win um, one of the two actors that we're nominated for, then uh, the actors will be getting a, a good review. Um, <laughs> <laughs> ten out of ten. No notes. So the actors can take a note on that and do with it what they want. <laughs> um, just, just quietly, what have you been uh, uh, nominated for? Oh, we're competing against ourselves. Oh. We've got two nominations in the documentary cinematography category for Australia's Wild Odyssey and Shackleton, the greatest story of survival, the feature film that we had out last year as well. So um, we basically split our own votes, which is genuinely actually a terrible idea. <laughs> and, and how many others are there in the category? Uh, there's, I think, five nominated in the category. So it is uh, so by no means two any kind out of, of guarantee. Five. Yes, but this has happened before, and we have had zero awards at the end of it. So because still, the odds are pretty good. your votes because we have split our own. <laughs> You guys should still, just you're like... an Emmy award-winning person, so you know. I mean, oh, it's fine. Just got like, nobody, like I did wait for quite some time for somebody to knock on the door and come and take that away, and nobody has yet. So, like, that's fine. I take everything off as it comes. <laughs> Well, look, I, I feel like this this may become a new feature that the end of every episode we just re review a random thing. Okay, yeah, I like that. You need to mix it and up. And Dion's like, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I, look, we've been doing this for a long fucking time. Um, I think we should start reviewing random things at the end of our yeah, episodes. Um, fun. <laughs> yeah, damn fucking straight. We do this. We love you as a, as our audience, and we love <laughs> talking about shit that we watch and enjoy and play and ride upon. So, yeah, like when that. someone stops being sick, we can actually get together and record uh, drunk cinema. Ah, yes, Aquaman too. I'm really looking forward to hearing <laughs> uh, what you all think of that as we get progressive. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, we'll see you back here next week for Argyle, and there will be an announcement in the next couple of days as to what's on for the rest of the month. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I suppose we could probably go and raid someone. Yeah, sure. let's go on. Let's go and raid uh, Hex. Let's go and raid Hex. Lovely. Beautiful. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye.
Thanks for listening to the Periodic Table of Awesome podcast. If you have questions, please email info at theperiodictableofawesome.com. Find us on our website, www.theperiodictableofawesome.com, where there's links to our iTunes, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch. Until next time, stay awesome.